0: Um, even more niche courses like 13 Week Cash Flow, Venture Capital Course, Real Estate Modeling—you name it. Go ahead and check them out at WallStreetOasis.com/courses. Thanks for the support.
1: Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Imada Akunt, who's the founder of a super exciting fintech startup called Mercury. I think Imad has some great advice throughout the conversation, but especially around networking strategy. Before we get into the interview, Let's talk about the journey. I know that everyone listens to this podcast, they've set some pretty high goals for themselves and they're really motivated to achieve what our society says is success. I think a lot of people, they think about money and houses and cars, but have you actually thought about why you wanna be successful? The why is really the most important part. If you're just hustling your ass off so you can have lots of money and then you get some money, you're just gonna want more of it. And the stuff you buy will be cool, but buying cool stuff that makes you happy for like a day. Also, money is a great motivator, but not as good as an actual purpose, solving a real problem in the world. If you can replicate that burning desire to be rich with a motivation to fix something, then you may be onto to something. Finally, I think the most important thing here is just being present throughout your journey. Talk to someone who's made a million dollars. I speak with lots on this podcast. Sure, maybe they have a fluffier mattress than you and a faster car, but there's not much of a correlation between making millions and being really happy. Once you get the million, it's not as if something in your brain just switches and says, okay, now I'm good and now I'll be happy. It's how we're programmed to survive. We'll always want more and more and more. Think of a squirrel burying nuts for the winner. You think they're content with just a few? No, that squirrel is going to bury as many nuts as he can as he can. And then even after he buries way more than he would ever need, he's still going to be busting his ass off burying nuts. So you all know that I like to golf, and my game has not really been great recently. What's happened is, is that instead of enjoying being out in beautiful Los Angeles on a beautiful course, I'm so focused on playing well, impressing my friends, winning the $1 a hole that we play for, that my focus shifts away from having fun and on to the results So it makes it that I can't enjoy something that really should just be pure fun. It's not until I start living in the moment, enjoying the beauty around me, hanging out and competing with my friends, doing something that I love, that then the results will just start to naturally come. So that's it. The harder I try to make the good golf come, the worse it gets. And that's life. You just have to find the pleasant parts of the ups and downs and stay present through it all. Okay, enough for me. Interview time. Imad, welcome to the podcast.
0: All right, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, you got a cool, 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 cool fintech startup called Mercury now. Then um, we'll get into everything about Challenger, Neo, future of business banking. Um, but let's get into how you got to this, how you got here. Have you always been a startup person? You've got a software background, right?
0: Yeah, so I've been doing like some sort of little hacky PHP thing since I was a teenager kind of thing. Uh, and eventually I did computer science at uh university in Cambridge in the UK. Uh, after that, I worked for a, about a year at Bloomberg, which is the only real job I've ever had. Uh, and, and since then, for the last 13 years, I've been doing startups. So this is actually my fourth company. Did you grow
1: up uh, in the UK?
0: Yeah, mostly. I moved to the UK when I was nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was originally born in Pakistan.
1: Okay. So you moved there. You're like tinkering with uh, building things and starting things and you go to work for, for Bloomberg. Why'd you do that?
0: You know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do at that stage. I was pretty good at programming. Um, the main kind of career path that seemed obvious back then was either management consultancy or investment banking. Uh, and Bloomberg, Bloomberg was like somewhat close to investment banking. Actually, I applied for a lot of other jobs and did not get them. Right. You applied for those
1: banking consulting jobs. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I think the real underlying thing is I had absolutely no passion for them. It was just like the default answer. And Bloomberg does have more, a lot of the other jobs that, that, even the investment banking jobs that have like some level of programming, they're not really programming jobs. They're kind of a little bit of programming and finance kind of jobs. Whereas the Bloomberg job was a real programming job. And that's just something I've just naturally been good at. And obviously I studied it as well. So it was easier for me to just get into that kind of job. And that was probably the only one that I applied to that was more of a programming job. Uh, it's not.
1: funny how that works out because you know, society pushes all this pressure on like going to get that job. At- Goldman Sachs or McKinsey or something. I mean,
0: back then, this is 2005, right? There was no Google or Facebook in the UK. So there wasn't really interesting startups to work at. I think I would have done that instead. Uh, there There was software companies, but there seemed like various, you know, IBM or Microsoft or something, which wasn't like appealing to me.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I did the investment banking path because society said that's the path that I should do. It definitely was not right for me. And it took me time and kind of, but I mean, I'm happy I did it. It's Good skill set, but it's part of my journey. Okay. So anyway, so you're at Bloomberg, you're doing a real software programming job. Did you like it?
0: No, not at all. I was, <laughs> I was just really bored. Uh, you know, you have this, like, you don't really know what the thing you're building is for. Like you have a rough idea and it's like, Bloomberg has so many functionalities, like the terminal that can do anything, right? So I was in the fixed income group, something to do with like mortgage fixed income, something I, I really can't even remember what what It was a trading systems on f- fixed income, but there was like a specific project I mostly worked on. Uh, and it was very uninteresting to me. So I would, but it was also very draining, weirdly. You know, I would go in for nine hours, I would come home, I would feel no energy to do side projects or anything like that. Uh, But me and my friend at Bloomberg, we used to kind of read TechCrunch all the time. This is, in my opinion, the heyday of TechCrunch, right? Like that was pretty much the only tech news there was. And it was always very interesting. It was like, you know, someone's selling, someone's getting a startup funded, et cetera. And, you know, from our perspective, we're both programmers and it seemed like, oh, we could build that, right? Uh, We would see something and we'd be like, okay, that doesn't seem that hard. It's got the user system and someone logs in and, you know, obviously, we underestimated like what it takes to make a real business. It was much more that like we could do the software part of it. Um, So we would share these links with each other and we would just uh, kind of fantasize about not working in Bloomberg. Uh, And then eventually after a year, we, you know, we had an idea. The original idea was actually kind of different. It was like, you know, people in the UK are pretty obsessed with properties and we wanted to make a map where you could see, uh, all the different variables that come into a location. So you could see house prices, crime rates, um, you know, distance to public transport, uh, restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that was the idea that we had. And we are like, Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, back then actually there was a company, and I can't even remember its name, but just IPO that was kind of doing, a uh, like truly a, Trulia, uh, type thing in the UK, uh, Oh, it's called Real Move, I think. But uh, anyway, so we were like, okay, this could be a real business. Like this company did okay in the UK. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, th- on the thirteenth month of basically of the job, we both quit, uh, and then we started working on this thing to go do this. Uh, I mean,
1: did you like work a little bit on the side? Or you said you were like so tired when you came home from work. So I was like, tough. no, we
0: just did it. I mean, we just did it. My view back then, you know, people. The thing in the UK is it's actually very, it's not easy, but it's much easier to be a startup person than it is in the US. You have free healthcare. Uh, If you're actually not making money, the government will pay for your house mostly. They paid 80%, like there's a housing benefit. And the only qualification is you're not making money. Like it's not, like there doesn't have to be a good reason for why you're not making money. (laughs) So I actually didn't have much in savings, uh, but we quit. Uh, I had like maybe 6,000 pounds in savings. Uh, but I did the maths. Like I'm a very frugal guy, and like if housing is mostly free, uh, yeah, I thought I could survive for like at yeah, least a year. on Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so we quit and we just started working on it. And it, you know, my view on it was like I knew I could get another job, so it wasn't. I didn't think there was like much of a risk in just quitting and doing it. Uh, I thought it would be fun. I could get another job if it doesn't work out. Uh, I'm a, I'm also actually. Okay with kind of maxing out credit cards in these periods. I've done it multiple times. I don't recommend it. But but yeah. I, I I didn't live badly. Uh and you know, we were able to kind of focus completely on this. And it was fun. I mean, we were young as well. Like there's no responsibilities. There's no there's no real risk of like, you know, uh, what would happen if it didn't work out. Right.
1: You know, kids, family, all that stuff. Uh okay, so what happened?
0: Yeah, it didn't work out basically. <laughs> uh, you know, we eventually pivoted a little bit and decided to kind of go after Yelp back then. Yelp was in the UK, but it wasn't really. Uh, and that's the thing we launched after, I think, four-ish months. Uh,
1: it's pretty good, four months and get a product out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the product was okay. It's just, yeah, we had no idea what to do next, basically. Overall, we ended up getting maybe 2,000 users. Uh, and my then my co-founder wanted to get married and he was like, this isn't really working. Uh, so yeah, it, it basically didn't get anywhere, but what I did do in that time, which was really kind of pivotal to, yeah you know, what we continued doing is I really immersed myself in the entrepreneurial community in London. So, uh, I don't, I don't do it that much anymore, but I would go to like three or four events a week. Like every event that was happening that had anything to do with like entrepreneurism I would be at, um, uh, and I would you know, meet entrepreneurs, some that were more successful, some that, you know, were at the same level as I was, but I just, you know, the London community is not that big, but at the end of the kind of seven months of RevMap, which is the name of that company, I just got to know pretty much everyone just by being there a lot, especially everyone that was kind of like at my stage or close to it, like a young entrepreneur that was new to it. Um, There's definitely like a lot more successful people that I didn't have access to. Uh, but it really yeah you know, many of them did raise money, so we never ended up raising money in that thing, but you know i I felt like I learned a lot from like just being out there and knowing a lot of people um uh, and that's what kind of got me hooked into the idea of like coming to San Francisco, so there was a few people uh there who had moved over uh uh Covier and Hodge were you know Hodge does triplebyte now, and Covier does Zeus, but they did a company in Y Combinator. Uh, i guess it was 2006 or something uh, but there was a few other examples of people who'd moved over and i was like okay you know i'm going to move over especially as this thing wasn't working uh and and i wanted uh, y combinator seemed like the right path to do it um i we had actually applied with that company for y combinator but we hadn't got in but uh yeah there was two companies and again like the you know, the the whole like industry was small enough that I knew everyone who had got into Y Combinator in the next batch. So there was two companies that got in. Uh, and basically because I was a engineer, it was relatively easy to go. Like, uh, yeah. In the end I went to one of them and was like, Hey, I'll be your kind of engineering co-founder. And he was one of them was an engineer, but, uh, yeah, that's what ended up happening. So I joined, that's how I originally came to YC, uh, it was summer 2007, uh, as a you kind know, of co-founder to this company called ClickPulse, which you was my second you like, they,
1: they're in, I'm going to just go jump on.
0: Yeah. That's it's cr- it's actually great. like, you know, I never, up until that point, I didn't really appreciate being an engineer very much. Like I was just like, it wasn't something I was like, I liked it, but I wasn't like that passionate as an engineer. Um, and I would kind of just followed that career path because I was good at it and I couldn't think of anything better to do. Uh, but at that point I was like, okay, actually it's like a super valuable skill set that, you know, not that many people have. And just having it gives you access to like a lot of things.
1: A lot of things. And you already said you had the confidence that you could go try something and then just easily get another job. Like yeah, exactly. not everybody that's, has that. Like yeah. that, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, it's, it's just a very valuable skill. I mean, I recommend everyone doing it if you can.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you come out to YC, you say, I'm going to be a technical co-founder of a company doing something something similar. And, and, and uh, what happened next?
0: Yeah. So the company, I mean, it wasn't something similar. It was called ClickPass. So it was basically like a single sign-on mechanism, made it easy to log into websites. Uh, this is like 07 to 08. Uh, we did okay. We ended up kind of being integrated into Hacker News. So anyone who used Hacker News back then might remember our annoying button. Uh, that made it easy to log into Hacker News using your Facebook or whatever, Google. Uh, we also integrated into Script and Discuss, uh, so we ended up getting two million users relatively quickly. Uh, and but the issue is we had no monetization, um, so we had raised three hundred k and kind of at the same time as we did YC. Uh, that's mostly my co-founder did that. Uh, and but when it came to like the next stage, which you know this is two thousands seven or eight or something, right? So the next stage was like a series A of 3 million or something. Uh, but there was, you know, it was very hard to get traction on that without uh, without any monetization and especially it's like a B2B thing. Um, and, and yeah, so we ended up kind of pursuing like g- trying to get a talent acquisition. Uh, I kind of decided I didn't really want to go work for someone at that stage. Uh, so I split off and... Actually, I had a friend who was kind of interning with me. Uh, his name is Jude, very smart guy. <laughs> and he and I decided to do a new startup. Uh, so this is my third company. Uh, basically, at the end of 2008, uh, we decided to kind of kick off on it. And that was called Hazap. And this is the video game. Uh, well, it was all sorts of things. Uh, so, so that company went from 2008 to 2016. Uh, originally, we were doing flash gaming. Um, so that was a YC company as well. So we were doing a, yeah, back in 2008, 2009 flash games was still like the main way kind of casual gaming happened. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were distributing flash games and then we, uh, yeah, flash games basically just gradually and mostly just completely died when like mobile games became a thing and no one was playing flash games anymore. Um, and so we ended up pivoting from our flash games thing to uh, a mobile game social network. Uh, and yeah, that's a long story. You want the whole story? I mean, you can
1: give us the, uh, you know, the shortened up version of it.
0: The shortened up version. Well, you know, we just basically mostly, I would say, had a very good, good initial run where we, uh, we raised from Union Square Ventures after YC. And then we did a, and a series A, also with Union Square Ventures, where we raised 3 million. Uh, but after that, we just... Kind of did this pivot, just struggled to have a retentive app. Uh, we ended up pivoting again to make an ad network, which got us profitable, but barely. Um, so from like 2014, we were profitable, and but we were yeah you know, we were not excited about doing an ad network. Um, so eventually, found another angle, which was still within our space, called mobile mediation, which is a developer tool for advertisers. I mean, for developers who want to show ads. Uh, so if you want to show video ads from like six different providers, we helped you optimize, integrate, optimize, and kind of re- show you good reports on what's happening. Uh, that did well. We were actually used by, I would say like two or three of the top games in iOS, uh, for like the whole of 2015 or something. And we ended up selling to our main competitor, which is a public German company called Fiber for 45 okay. million, uh, but you know, it's it was a the whole process was super painful.
1: Uh it was a lot it was eight years. I mean yeah, that's, that was eight this years. is how startups go. Like everything yeah. is painful. Like society glamorizes, yeah. They're so easy, you get into YC, you raise lots of money, it's like it's all just like this golden road.
0: Yeah. I mean I think it's a. I've always considered it a privilege that I could work for myself. You know, when we when I first quit, I was like I really did expect it to be a one year thing and I didn't I didn't necessarily think of like entrepreneurship as like a long-term path without success. Like the fact that I went from basically 2006 to 2016 without selling anything for for money and continue to be an entrepreneur for all that time, I think that was like a bit of a privilege. Uh and it's nice to be in Silicon Valley where like you can raise money and like survive like that and yeah, it was it was a struggle, but I was it was a much at least I was passionate about the struggle. Like there's, you know, at Bloomberg, I was like completely unpassionate. Uh, so I'd much rather fail with passion than like, you know, just be normal.
1: While racking up credit card debt. But
0: but yeah. Yeah. I mean, credit card debt's not that bad. You can just well, pay it off. Sell
1: your, once you sell your company for $35 million, then yeah, that, those uh, things don't matter.
0: Well, or you raise money and then you can pay it off. I mean, we like at Hazep right at the start, we, you know, we raised, we did YC and back then YC would give you like 15K. Actually, they gave us a little bit more than that, but we were like, okay, we have to pay for our visas. So we spent, you know, I think 10K or something trying to get visas done, like paying for the lawyers and all that stuff. And so I was back on credit card debt pretty quickly because we had, we had basically like YC gave us actually 30K. Uh, so we had, we had to survive nine months of 30K where we'd spent half the money on just the, just the freaking visa costs. Um, and then we were flying back and forth and all this stuff. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but then we raised, you know, yeah, from, school from and yeah, and that, that helped.
1: Uh, when you first linked up with that company that was NYC, they, they, you emailed, did you, did you email several companies that were in NYC and were like, Hey, are you looking for an engineering co-founder or was it just that one?
0: Um, I mean, I just, I'd spent like the five months before like going to so many events that I just knew everyone. Um. Uh, so I I can't exactly remember how I knew them, but I think I just met them at some event. Okay, yeah, it's I'm sure it's true for like you know smaller tech town, but back smaller tech towns, but back then London was like very much a small tech town. I know it's a, it's much bigger now, but there was just not that many companies, so like, and there weren't that many people trying to do things. But
1: uh, but you're going to these events and you're trying to network and get to know people at your level, not like trying to crash the, the guy walking off the stage. That's like the, the big time investor. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm not a good networker at all. I like, I, I, am not very, you know, I'm not, I'm an okay social person, but I don't, I've definitely met people that are much better at just trying to talk to like more successful people and being good at that. But that uh, your
1: strategy has worked pretty, pretty well for you. Like just yeah, I think it's like- mostly
0: just about persistence. Like I just did it a lot. Uh, and I was, you know, uh, I was, I was also doing something, right? Like I was not just going to these network events like I was trying to do in my own startup. So I had things to talk about and insights to give and learn from people. So it was not like a totally one-way relationship, um, which I think is necessary to like network successfully.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, these have to be authentic relationships. You can't just be like transactional, like, hey, let me become your friend so that you can fund my business so that we can you know, get rich. It's like, let's come up together.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing that's interesting about Silicon Valley is that anyone can be successful here. Uh, like when you meet someone, you don't know like who they're going to be next, right? Like it doesn't matter where they are right now. Like there's either their startup could do well, they could go join someone, you know, anything can happen. So, uh, I feel like people are generally very open to networking with people because of that. Mm, uh, that's interesting. Like, Yeah. If someone emails you, you just have to take the email a little seriously. You don't know who that person's going to be.
1: If you're a good person, I mean, if you could be a bad person, like, oh, they didn't come to me through the proper through a warm introduction. I mean,
0: uh, some people are just really busy, right? Like that's a, that's the reality of it. Like if you're a VC, you have hundreds of you know emails and it's hard for you to kind of be on top of them. But most people are not that busy. Um, so it's, you know, everyone has their level of like how much they can give. Okay.
1: So you're on this big time journey, you saw the company for, for lots and lots of money. And so now it's like, okay, now you're, now you're set. So what'd you do next? You take some time off. You're like, I'm going to get right back into it. I'm
0: gonna uh, buy, buy a house. Yeah. yeah. So we had a one year earnout. out. Um, and I'd been like really excited about investing in companies for a really long time because I was actually in the same batch as both Airbnb and Dropbox. Um, so I did the 07 batch and 09 batch. Uh and I'd seen a lot of companies and I, I just wanted to see what like investing was like. Uh, also, I'm also not very good at not doing anything. So, you know, while we were doing the earnout, I started investing fairly, not, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but I was kind of fairly on top of it. So I invested, I think like 30 companies in 2016 and another 30 in 2017. Uh, and that was one of my primary hobbies, I guess. Uh, and and during 2016, I also became a part-time partner, Y Combinator. Um, and that was, yeah, I just wanted to kind of give back to YC and also just kind of always just enjoy talking to entrepreneurs. Uh, so I was doing those two things, which was taking a lot of my time. Um, and then I'd had this idea for Mercury for a really long time. Um, so during Hazap, actually, we were, you know, I was pretty good friends with, uh, one of the founders of uh, Gusto before he started Gusto, uh, Gusto is a payroll software, and we'd seen them. Yeah, I remember when we started Hayes App, there was ADP, ADP is an ADP, ADP's old school payroll company. Uh, ADP representative had to come by, like literally, they had to come to our office when there was two people at our office. It was it was little, it was where we lived actually, uh, with these binders and like get us to sign up to ADP. Uh, and I just remember thinking, oh, this is just a ridiculous process. Uh, and then Gusto came along, and it was all online. You know, you sign online; it was just super easy. Yeah, pay- and payroll delightful. Yeah, exactly. That's probably their slogan. Uh, and they really delivered on that. So just seeing that them do that uh, really was insp- inspirational. And you know, the only other big thing that just never improved was banking, right? So slack and before that hip chat, you know, improved communication. Like I remember when we first started, uh, ASAP, it was all Skype and it was a pain. Uh, but banking was still a pain. It was basically the same. You had to know someone at SVB or something, or you had to kind of walk into a branch and then the websites weren't great. They never really improved. The products mean extremely static. Um, so that was, that was something, you know, Know, it seemed kind of obvious to me, and I'd been thinking about it for many years. Uh and then on top of that, there was a company actually out of YC called Seed that did it. Um, like they did a uh, they were trying to do an SMB bank. So for a while I was like, oh, you know, if someone's doing it. Yeah, I'm gonna forget about this idea kind of thing. Uh, but they ended up not really executing on it. Um, so I was kind of I was like, okay, maybe I should think about it more. So that was one kind of class of problems we had. Uh, another class was we were we were making money via an ad network. So we'd have you know, maybe like 60 advertisers send us like $2 million uh, at the start of the month. And then at the end of the month, we'd pay out 600, 700 developers. Um, and that process with the bank was super manual. So we had someone log in every day, see who had paid us, and then at the end of the month, we had these crazy, huge kind of admin pages that would be like, you know, every time someone had changed an account number or routing number, we'd have to input it into the bank. So the whole thing was extremely manual and painful. And, you know, back then we used to use SVB and they just couldn't give us an API to do this stuff. So that was kind of the second class of problems, not having an API. Uh, the third thing that bothered me, uh, which seemed like, again, Yeah. I say obvious, but maybe it's just obvious in retrospect, but, you know, we would get these Excel spreadsheets at the end of the month, plus 15 days from our bookkeeper. Uh, and that would be when we would really have a holistic understanding of what happened the month before. I mean, obviously you have like some dashboards and you can kind of see revenue, but they don't necessarily always kind of match up to like which invoices were paid, um, And it doesn't really have like a good understanding of costs. Sometimes our AWS costs would go up from like 50K to 100K for a few months and no one would notice until, you know, someone looked at this Excel spreadsheet and, you know, we didn't have a CFO or anyone. So it was very easy to miss these kind of fairly impactful changes. Uh, So that was kind of the last thing I was actually, yeah, I thought a bank has pretty much all the data already, uh, like all the money's going into it and leaving it, but they just have no kind of insight into what's happening in your business. Uh, and they could do a pretty good job of giving you kind of real time, real time insight. Um, so those were the three things that I was like, you know, I, so I, for many years, I was interested in making this bank. Uh, and then when 2017 came along and, you know, we'd finished our earnout, uh, My initial thought was I was supposed to kind of take some time off, do a sabbatical, et cetera. But, but I was still in San Francisco. Uh, actually, had a so from the start of January, I was free, and then I ended up uh, I had a my second child in April. Uh, so I was kind of doing this other stuff, but I decided to just kind of go see if I could make this bank happen. Uh, so I just spent a lot of time, basically, just doing meetings after meetings. Uh, I tend to like learn pretty well just by talking to people. That's my main kind of mode of learning as it was. So I just talked to any fintech entrepreneur. I could find any anyone that previously done a challenger bank in Europe or or the U.S. U.S. has less, but I talked to, you know, like the Monzo guys, the Tide guys, yeah, lots of different people who kind of attempted something like this and then talked to lots of lawyers, lots of bankers, people at Visa, Mastercard, just, you know, I was every time i talked to someone i'd be like okay who else should i talk to and and there were some of these conversations i was like yeah i try i tracked it once like there was a really useful conversation i had with someone and i was like where did this intro come from and it was like four deep in my intro chain uh which is you yeah, know kind of cool
1: and it's easy to ask for introductions when you're just like i just want knowledge i just want information i don't want anything
0: yeah and you know i wasn't like quite as big as that. I would be okay. Yeah, I try to go deep on subjects. So I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm talking to this lawyer. Like, I want to learn, like, what does it take to like buy a bank? Uh, what are the legal restrictions? What do I need in place, et cetera? And then I talk to him and, you know, maybe he doesn't know about it, but he knows another lawyer that knows about it. So I would, I had a class of like things I wanted to figure out. Right, but all information,
1: not money or like, you know, no. just just let me get you a coffee and let's pick your brain.
0: Yeah, it was all mostly phone calls, it's to be honest. Ask. Like, sure. there's, you know, some... And, you know, there's like, I think with information, there tends to be like the, uh, you know, the most valuable set of information is like someone who tried to do something similar or the same thing, but didn't do it. Uh, That's actually like by far the most kind of valuable set because they, like, they already did this kind of learning tree and like assembled into like a cohesive, uh, like answer. Uh, So uh, there's like Zach and Dan tried to do this company called Standard Treasury. Um, and they were, yeah they were super helpful. And they're also entrepreneurs. So they, you know, they got it and they were kind of interested in me trying to do it. Uh, and yeah, there was a, so there was a few people that definitely were super helpful and like made it easier. Um, yeah, so th- so that was kind of my approach. I talked to a bunch of people. Eventually figured out that it wasn't impossible, uh, which was good enough for me. Uh, and, then, and then we kind of started going deeper, Yeah, you know, started, you kind know, of some of the design, some of the programming, talking to partner banks, uh, uh, et cetera. Um, so putting all this kind of stuff in place before we went and raised our seed round.
1: Right. You know, because starting a bank isn't exactly like starting a, just a regular consumer company. Like you built your, your, uh, your first app and your first product in four months. Like this baking is a little, little bit different.
0: Yeah. And actually, I I probably underestimated some of that. Everyone (laughs) does. Yeah. I mean, that's just
1: how startups are. Everyone's 10 times harder than you think it's going to be.
0: Yeah. I think that, you know, it's hard to do things if you fully understand everything you have to do to do them. So it's (laughs) having like ignorance of some of these things is probably like the reason people do things and go like, oh shit, it's actually harder, but I'm halfway through, so I'm going to keep going. Uh, But yeah, I think, you know, it took us longer to finish the product. But it wasn't that bad. Like I, I talked to a lot of fintech entrepreneurs and there was definitely a class of entrepreneurs that were like it's going to take you two years minimum and you know, you better be prepared for it. So I was definitely in my, I try to be optimistic about everything, but prepared for the worst case. And the worst case uh, was, was worse than what we ended up doing, which is we got to alpha like in a year and a half. Uh, so it was better than the worst case, but it definitely felt like a really long time.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, so let's let's tell us about what Mercury is today, how it works, who your customers are, everything.
0: Sure. Uh, so Mercury basically looks to solve the three classes of problems I mentioned. So we're building a bank for startups. Uh, the idea right now is we give you a checking account, a debit card, and a savings account, uh, mostly with 2% interest. Uh, it's all online. You We're well, pretty much the only way you can sign up online for a business bank account in the U.S., uh, and it takes, for most people, they can get it done in 15 minutes and we mostly give people bank accounts within 24 hours. It's more complicated than just opening a personal bank account, business bank accounts are. Yeah. You need, you need a little bit more information and EIN number and yeah. incorporation docs. Um, and there's some level of like diligence, there's certain types of companies we can't support. Uh, but there's also... Over time, there's going to be more complexity, but there's definitely, you know, there's multiple employees and they all have their own debit cards. There's access control between them. Uh, the needs for business banking tend to be more complicated than consumer banking, especially, you know, we deliberately set out to do startups, which is actually a harder set of people to do for various reasons. Um, so with consumer banking, you can get away with not doing wires, not doing international wires, uh, yeah, most consumer banks don't do joint accounts or anything like that, right? So it's much, it's kind of a simpler problem set. Uh with startups, you know, like pretty much straight away people are wiring us a million dollars and you know, they expect wires, they expect international wires, they expect checks. Like there's no like we can't there's plenty of other banks people could use. So you can't have a depleted feature set and say, Hey, you know, we can't do this, but you should use us because the website's nice. Uh, so it, it does put the owner Onus of having like a fairly complete banking solution. Um, uh, but that's also good because it like, we're kind of being tested by the m- highest pressure clients in some ways. So if you're an SMB and you want to use Mercury, which you can, uh, we we'll probably have like all, you know, most of the features that you need. Uh, so yeah. So that's the idea of Mercury, give people a great bank account. Uh, we're also developing this API that we discussed, uh, which should be out soon. Uh, and the kind of the analytics piece is, is harder to prioritize right now because we're growing so fast, but we definitely want to get to it. Uh, yeah, the other thing we've ended up doing that we're probably going to do more of is kind of democratize financial products for for businesses. So if you're a really big business you can and you have a treasury management team or something, you can normally get you know, a 2% interest savings account or more, uh, whereas... If you're a smaller kind of seed stage company, it's really hard to access like a savings account. So we give you a 2% interest savings account, uh, which is fairly competitive. Uh, I think over time, there's other types of financial products we'll do something similar with and, you know, give you access to them at a smaller stage uh, and give you tools around managing them.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. And so what do you attribute? You said you are growing so fast it's tough to keep up what do you attribute that growth to it's like there's just this hole in the market where people want such a great business bank account that's simple to use or you guys have executed well all of that yeah i
0: it's been a little bit of a surprise i would say um you know when i definitely felt the pain point as as entrepreneur myself uh but when yeah, we talked to maybe a hundred plus startups uh that were at the right stage uh before we launched uh and you know, a couple were really excited about it, or maybe you know, everyone was like, "Okay, I'm up for it." But it's hard to tell, you know, how much that will convert into. But but the internet's a big place, right? So even if one percent of startups are excited about Mercury and that's enough for them to switch, as long as I get in front of like ten thousand people, that's you know, uh, hundred people uh, pretty quickly. So. Yeah, it turned out, I think there's just been a reasonable amount of like pent up frustration that people are just annoyed about the fees that they get charged. They're annoyed about, you know, uh, other banks not responding to their emails. There's just, there's enough stuff. Like these banks are just not run as like modern software companies. They're run as like, we've been around for like 40 years and we will just do whatever we want to do. And we'll, you know, we'll treat the bigger clients really well. And we'll, you know, these seed stage companies, we don't really care and, you know, uh, we'll do the minimum possible for them. So there's just a, there's this inherent kind of gap in the market and people have just kind of come to us, and which has been nice. Um, yeah, We we did only a couple of things really at the launch that went well. Uh, we have a few kind of well-known uh, investors, obviously Andreessen Horowitz, but also Justin Kahn and Elad Gale. Um, and those people probably have, the biggest followers from uh, our investors and they all tweeted about it. And that was kind of the initial set of users. Uh, and then we also at the top of product on the next day. Uh, I think those two were like pretty much the only real marketing things we've done. Oh, we also in the front page of hacker news. Uh, and after that, you know, four months later, we're still growing and it's mostly from kind of word of mouth and kind of. Yeah. People keep tweeting about it, but that's great. Yeah, it's fun. I mean,
1: Chase would kill for that. They're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars to acquire a single user. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I guess at some point we might need to do something like that, but right now, you know, we're fortunate enough to have enough people that care about it. And a lot of our users are very passionate about Mercury too. So they share it with their friends.
1: That's awesome. Okay. So Imad, last couple of questions here. First one's about advice. You're talking to someone kind of early in their career, maybe they're at like, you know, a Bloomberg or something and they're like, you know, this sucks, but I don't know what the hell I should be doing. Um, maybe there's something about passion kind of like, like you said, but what do you tell someone like that?
0: Yeah. You know, I always thought that like my rough path I thought would be like, I'd work at a job for a while. I'd maybe do an MBA and maybe after that I'd be an entrepreneur or something. So I think if there is like a final thing you want to do, it's probably better to just like, go do it, um, uh, or go get, try to get closer to it. Um, uh, So I did think I'd eventually want to be an entrepreneur and, you know, yeah. At the time I was like, Oh, why did I even work a year here? It's in hindsight, it wasn't that bad. Uh, So I think that's probably number one, just go do what you actually want to do rather than like try to do these middle steps that aren't really necessary. Uh, I'm a big believer in like immersion. Um, So like I, yeah, I read a lot of like uh, biographies on people that are successful that like I'm it's not that I want to emulate them, but I want to like learn to think like them. Uh, so videos, podcasts, books, uh, you know, articles, uh, especially early on, I did a lot of that. Um, uh, and so I think that, and actually Y Combinator has these dinner series where you can like talk to these really successful people. Uh, and I thought that was like really good to like see how they thought about things. Um, uh, so I think that's useful. What other tips are useful? Uh, you know, I think, I think people worry about like risk and actually in life, like the biggest risk is not capturing the upside. Uh, if that makes sense. Like, you know, the fact that I didn't have a job or money and I had credit card thing, like none of that stuff really matters. But like, if I hadn't moved to San Francisco and did these things, I wouldn't be where I am. So like, I think it's, especially, you know. The, things get different obviously when you have family and like sure but until uh, you do we
1: over emphasize the downside we think like we'll fail we'll be homeless our family will desert us and like lo- or we'll have yeah
0: to... yeah and hope, i mean hope most people probably have like fairly supporting families anyway you know my family at least didn't get me like nec- didn't necessarily understand why i quit my well-paying job to like go do these things but they were like not not saying like Yeah, they were like, okay, you know, if you need some food, come in the weekend, (laughs) you know, and I think most people would have hopefully a similar situation.
1: Cool. That's great. Uh, And lastly here, anything the listeners can do that would would help you help Mercury? Now's your chance.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, mercury.co, if you're going to do a business, you should sign up or recommend this to people. Uh, And that's probably like the most obvious thing to do.
1: What about startups? Maybe they'll show you some interesting investments or something people reach uh, out to you
0: you know i'm so busy with mercury that i just don't have much time for investment stuff uh, but yeah if you sign up i'm happy to advise yeah. <laughs> if i can be useful
1: okay well imad thanks so much for coming on this was awesome speaking with you thanks for having me to uh to your new office here this was, this was nice
0: yeah this is uh, our office that is maxed out we're about to move actually cool all right thanks for having me
1: Thanks for listening today. If you like Moving Up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks.